0: Spencer Blackett Carlson and this is my podcast straight to DSM happy March today is the third episode and we will be looking at Little Miss Sunshine March is my birthday month I'm a Pisces you may have predicted that so I'm going to be going over my four top favorite movies that also depict mental health in them um, so Little Miss Sunshine came out in 2006 it was an Oscar winner I think it kind of put Steve Carell on the map, even though it is kind of a comedy, more so a drama, a little bit sad. Um, Growing up, it was kind of one of my comfort movies, which was a little odd because where I was at age, who knows what, in 2006. I don't necessarily know if this was the most age-appropriate movie, but I do know that I long-term borrowed the DVD my grandparents had purchased from Costco and took it to my own house and would often watch it. I think I just liked the tone of it. I think anyone who owns, like, a Volkswagen van, that was, like, so cool to me. Um, I think I had a crush maybe on Paul Dano, so that may have been a driving force for me watching it so much, but... This is definitely one of those movies that if I want a good cry or a good laugh, I will pop this in. And it never disappoints. Um, Amazing cast. We have Alan Arkin, Greg Kinnear, Tony Collette, a young, young Abigail Breslin. So just like an overall amazing movie. It was written and directed by a married couple. Um, And I think overall the movie is about hope, depression, how you overcome that and kind of about body image. Um, So there's six characters in the film, and all six of them are in this very interesting family dynamic that we kind of come into at probably like the peak of the interest. Um, The uncle, played by Steve Carell, Frank, um, is in the hospital. He has unfortunately had a suicide attempt, Um, we early on find out that he, um, is a gay man. He seems like he's very smart. He works high up in the collegiate system, and he took a lover that was one of his students, Risque Steve, and he ends up being broken up by with this student, and the student ends up going with the second collegiate's most impressive man, I don't know the official title, Um, So it basically kind of shows that you can have it all, but yet you're not going to be good enough for somebody. And that that can lead your depression to really irk out and to really make you a victim to it and to make you feel like you're not good enough. And that if you're not good enough for somebody, maybe you're not good enough for this world and you try and kill yourself. Um, So... He ends up coming and living with the family, which consists of mom, played by Tony Collette, dad, played by Greg Kinnear, um, grandpa, and then we also have a son and a daughter living in the same house. They live in Arizona, and the film's plot is kind of that the daughter is invited to further compete in The Little Miss Sunshine, which is a beauty pageant. Very cringy. Olive, the daughter, does not look like your typical beauty pageant. Um, She's super freaking cute, and she's, like, I think maybe eight years old. She has a beer belly, huge, thick, 80s-style glasses. Her and her grandpa have a really good relationship, and he is her coach. So while this plot thickens and develops, you kind of forget that she's going to participate in a beauty pageant, and grandpa's her coach so at the end of the movie probably the best scene spoiler alert it ends up being this great dance sequence to super freak and it's a little risque a little raunchy maybe some early sexualization of children which i think is just found in beauty pageants all over um but pretty funny and the whole family ends up joining in and it kind of just shows that like they're willing to part with what they've got going on individually and give it an all as a family unit and do their best to kind of be happy together Um, so like I said there are six characters so we're kind of just gonna focus on one some are a little bit juicier than the others um, so I guess we'll just dive right in go to dad Dad is obviously a narcissist. Um, He works as a life coach, um, and he is very into the mindset of winners versus losers. Um, At one scene, they're out to a diner, and he tells Frank, the uncle who recently, I think he still has bandages on his wrist from trying to off himself, tells Frank to shut up because Frank is talking about Nietzsche, and basically the dad goes into a whole spiel to his daughter about there's two kinds of people in this world. There's winners or losers. And it is interesting because it seems like he may have a little bit of Erickson's ego integrity versus despair, which although I am very much into psychology and mental health, obviously, otherwise we wouldn't be here, I... I'm kind of annoyed by philosophers. I just feel like they were like the earliest hipsters and like all had mommy issues. But this does kind of make some sense to me. So Erickson's ego integrity versus despair, basically, you know, the eight stages of life that Erickson developed. And when you're getting kind of up there in your eighth chapters, you kind of start looking back at your life and being like, shoot, I wish I would have done this and I didn't do this So I need to figure that out now so I don't regret it when I'm, you know, on my deathbed or I realize that I'm, I don't have time to do this any longer. And it kind of seems like the father is suffering from a bit of that because while he's not necessarily achieving any of these goals or I'm not even clear if he is himself is following these nine steps that he's selling to other people, but yet it's all about success to him and from the outward looking in it does not seem that he has the stereotypical successful life i think you know he's driving a car that you have to push to start and he's living in like a you know multi-diverse family house with taking in their uncle and grandpa lives with them and they've made it very clear they don't have a lot of money Well, success is different to a lot of people, and those aren't necessarily the things that are gonna define my success to me. It seems that he views the typical, oh, you have the nice car in the driveway, you have the nice house, you got the hot wife. That's kind of what he's selling as these nine steps, but yet he can't even have those things for himself or just learn to be okay with, hey, my success isn't those things. I don't care if I have those things or not, but I'm still happy and I'm still successful. So, definitely displays narcissistic behavior. Um, If you know a narcissist, you know what narcissism is. If you don't know, maybe you're a narcissist yourself or you've just been very lucky not to come into cohabitation with these people. Narcissism is very tricky. it basically is just other people's emotions don't matter to you. And the DSM defines that as something that sets off early in, um, you know, early adulthood categories, by the five or so categories. Those categories are mostly, it's your way or the highway, to put it in simple terms, and just kind of you, you're going to do what you're going to do no matter how it affects other people. I think narcissism is something that we see in a lot of TV and movie characters. And it's kind of like, ooh, this like boss, powerful guy like Tony Soprano, Walter White, definitely narcissistic male characters. And I think we often see it more so in men than we do in women in media. But in my personal life, I think I know more women narcissists than I do men. narcissism is also kind of one of those don't come from me narcissists but kind of scary to me because I think it's kind of can be a stepping stone um to psychopathy I guess I said it um that it can get a little out of hand and if you don't really care about anyone else who knows what you're really gonna do you know um I think we are catching up some background noise of my cat's breathing. He is very big, and he is currently sleeping on my arm and my notes. So, thank you, new cat. He'll be my producer for the week. My husband's out of town, um, and he's normally my editor, because I don't know what the hell I'm doing, so if this is a little rough, I'm so sorry. Um, Yeah, dad's a narcissist, so movie does a good job at covering that, having baseline understanding of narcissism watching the movie check narcissism um he's kind of unlikable throughout the entire movie even like his dad dies and he doesn't really show any emotion um at the same diner scene i'm talking about i think they have like a two dollar and 50 cent budget for the movie uh, or sorry for the their diner meal each and the daughter orders waffles a la mode a la mode meaning ice cream um And the dad, you know, leans in and says something like, oh, you know, like, well, beauty queens don't eat ice cream because ice cream is fat." And then, you know, the daughter, of course, is, oh, I don't want it, never mind. And then the rest of the family chips into, oh, this is delicious, Um, you know, and drives her to, hey, don't eat all my ice cream. I want some. Um, And I think maybe that's why the movie... I like it because it reminds me of my family in a positive way, but also has those tiny little hits of sadness as well because while I have a wonderful relationship with my dad and no, he's not a narcissist, I think, you know, there's been moments where my dad would make comments to me about my weight, even as a little girl and, or the last time he saw me in the middle of the pandemic he like pinched my arm and was like oh you're a chunky monkey yes I am because I'm eating my emotions and I'm at my house quarantined where all the delicious snacks are so yeah I'm a chunky monkey um and I don't really need you to point that out to me so just I think there's small little moments throughout the movie that kind of irk maybe things that I have like held away within myself um and that hurt me and that that's why it kind of is like nostalgic but a little bit painful which is kind of my brand. I like I like some nostalgia with some pain thrown in there and that's really what gets me going. Um and then so the next character I would like to discuss is Grandpa played by Alan Arkin. Um he is A drug addict. Um, He unfortunately suffers from substance abuse. So do I. Hey, hey. Um, He passes away from a heroin overdose while they were on their road trip. Um, He and his granddaughter Olive share a hotel for the night. He locks himself in the bathroom, shoots up some heroin. And unfortunately, that is all his heart and body and mind could take. And the family wakes up to grandpa dead the next day. Um, He seems really dedicated to family. And I kind of like that this character, although his addiction obviously is what leads to his demise, is that they show that addicts can be good people and that he's a loving grandfather. He's, you know, like pretty, I mean, Steve Carell's character, the uncle who comes to live with them is a gay man who just attempted suicide, and he kind of shows him some sympathy, even though he's a little rough around the edges, you know, like, speaks his mind, but still, like, hey, everything's gonna be okay. Treats him like a normal person. And while those are, you know, kind of bare minimum things to be a good person, it's nice to see somebody suffering from substance abuse addiction not be characterized as the worst person in the world because, Addicts are also great, lovely, nice people. And a lot of the time you don't even know somebody is an addict. And yeah, that's my soapbox. Um, it's just, yeah, I think watching, this was my first time, I think, watching the movie since recovering from addiction myself. So I think seeing it in that standpoint, I think like when I was younger and, you know, obviously more immature and didn't have the life Events That I have now had Happen to me It was kind of like Oh grandpa dies from drugs haha, And now it's just like That sucks That somebody's life Is going to end that way Um But it's also nice to know That he had a loving Supportive Non-judgmental family And that They show him as like Oh his granddaughter Loved him And like Addicts can be suffering And having a really hard time But they can still be Good grandpas So I like that portrayal in the film. Um, and then there's the son, Dwayne. He is the biological child of the mother, stepson of Narcissus' father. Um, I think this is a driving that was the driving point for me because I thought he was really hot and mysterious. Um, which Paul Dano is, so hey. Okay. Um, he is dedicated to joining the Air Force. He takes a vow of silence, he's very interested in philosophy. Um and he's also made it very clear that he is miserable in his life and that he wants an So, speaking of mental health, I am working the crisis line for my job and I just got a crisis line call, so sorry for that hard cut. I don't know if I know how to edit that out and my editor, my husband, is out of town for work right now, so this may be a bit of a struggle bus episode, but that's okay. Um, so I was talking about Dwayne, the son, um, and I think just the main thing to see with him is he just doesn't have any like real good coping strategies put in place. It's just... He's so fixated on joining the um, Air Force, and while that's great, and it's great to have goals, it's just, and I do this a lot, it's like I put all my eggs in one basket, and I think if I can't do this, then I'm a failure, and I put all my self-worth into one thing, and I think we definitely see that in Dwayne, and then it's kind of nice to see that release of emotion from him when he does find out in the car ride. Innocently that he is colorblind and I don't know why I don't know much about air force Things but that he can no longer join the Air Force because he is colorblind um and we see him just have this complete breakdown um and release all these emotions and you know he finally talks and he opens up about how much he hates his family which you know like that may be that may be true and also you say a lot of things you don't necessarily mean when you're angry and you're upset and you're disturbed with yourself um I mean, the mom seems pretty great to me, so I'm like, how could you hate her? But also, sorry, mom, if you're listening. But I think there was, you know, there was lots of times when I told my mom when I was a teenager that I hated her, which is so mean and so unfair because I didn't, but it's just, you know, when you're going through your own things and you can't rationalize your own emotions because you don't have a good outlet or good coping strategies, you know, things come out that you don't necessarily mean or even necessarily feel, but... When you're hurt, you want to hurt other people, and I think we see that in Dwayne. Um, at the end of the movie, he does jump on stage pretty early with his family, and I think, and joins in on the risque dance, does a little pelvic hip thrust. I think he, it's good for him to have his uncle around because I think he does get some positive Um, affection from his uncle and maybe he feels heard and understood because his uncle is also interested in psychology and kind of like sees beyond the bullshit. I like people that when you can meet with them you can have actual conversations about life and feelings and philosophy and, you know, go a little bit deeper than, oh, where'd you get your outfit? I mean, all those things are great, too, but it's nice to have people that your soul connects with and you feel seen and heard, and I think he may get some of that through his uncle. Speaking of Uncle Frank, um, Frank, like we've mentioned before, um, you know, when we enter the movie introduced to these characters he has just had an unsuccessful suicide attempt um which probably leads to him suffering from major depressive um it is my interpretation because as the movie goes on like he's kind of like the most positive person and I don't while we're not explicitly shown like a doctor writing a script or anything for him I'm going to assume that he was given medication upon his release from the hospital and that that him taking those medications has a positive effect and that maybe that was the filmmakers or the mental health you know supervisor that they had on the set for this film that would be a cool job I wonder if that I mean that's got to exist right like psychiatrist for movies that's cool maybe that's a new career goal for me but that it shows as it progresses that he feels better and probably would have regretted if he would have taken his life, and I, I think there's so many statistics out there about, you know, like, 90% of people who jumped off a bridge and lived to tell it said, as I was falling, I regretted what I was doing, and it's just, life can be so nasty and so ugly and so bitter, and you can feel so hopeless, and so, what's the point so much the time, but the fact that... You always have a second chance, and that you can always redeem those things, and you know, put some work into it, and you can try again. Because depression, I mean, there's so many times where even just taking a shower for me, when I'm suffering from the depression side of my bipolar disorder, and I can't even take a shower. It just feels like, what's the point? I'm not going anywhere because I've canceled all my plans, and oh, I canceled all my plans on so the bad friends. So I'm a bad person, so. Maybe I should just, you know, what's the point? Um, And it's such an easy, slippery slope to get into. Um, And I think they do that well with this character of showing that just because he was rejected by a love interest, which is a huge life event, but that he feels that then there's no purpose for him. You know, if this one person can't love me, then why am I still living? and I think we talked a lot about codependency in the last episode but he may also have some codependency because if you're drawing all your value from others and you disappoint somebody of course you're going to feel that way but if you have the value in yourself which is a hard thing to find I still struggle with that every day um every hour of every day um and that's why positive affirmations are so good I'm staring at my collection of Let me see. About 25 different positive affirmation decks. And yes, some of them are so cheesy. And it will just be like a picture of like a rabbit on a unicorn being like, you're a rock star. And like, you know, but if you're really struggling and this small piece of paper is going to tell you that you're a rock star and give you a cute little visual and that's going to help me with my mental health, I'm going to keep doing it. So I like to keep those in my car, at my desk, and I like to mix it up pull from different stacks and stuff. But... You know if you're struggling with some self-worth and stuff i would definitely recommend some affirmation cards i think that they're a great thing and i like to share them with my co-workers or even my clients at my job so hot tip um it also there's a statistic that um if you are from the lgbtq community you are five times more likely to commit suicide um and This movie came out in 2006, so I mean, we've made some progress since then, but I mean, still I can't imagine, I can't speak for that community because I am not a member of it, just an ally, but that not feeling accepted just because of who you love has to play such a huge impact, and I think the movie did a really good job too at showing that, but without going into a huge, oh, this is a movie about gay rights or this is a movie it was just a movie about a family and a member happens to be gay and I I love when movies do that when it's just oh it's a love story and it happens to be about a lesbian couple or it's a movie about a character who is struggling at his job but then you also find out oh he's an addict I love when things you know just because I'm bipolar that doesn't mean that's my only storyline and I think a lot of times movies can kind of do that and almost it's like an Oscar this movie's about you know Brooke Rock Mountain for instance this movie's about gay ranchers back in the day and like you know also not played by gay actors which is disappointing but just like kind of shows that like there's more to you than just like your diagnoses or just like the people you love and I think That there could be so much more said about, you know, the mom is in a marriage, so a committed relationship with this man who's a narcissist. And like, doesn't that say more about their relationship than the fact that somebody loved someone so deeply that the the unrequited love they received from that person made them feel they weren't worthy of living? I think that's a little more interesting than just the narrative of oh it's a movie about a gay couple so i always like to see that in movies when characters are shown for more than just their sexuality because While that is such a huge part of your identity, um, and for some more than others, you know, but it's nice to see a character displayed as much more than that. Um, Frank is hyper-aware into other people's emotions, which I think if you have suffered from depression, you're, you are hyper-aware. Even, like, I'll notice, like, my friends or loved ones, like, you know, they'll send me K instead of okay love you and I'm like oh my god what's wrong you okay and I think sometimes that can frustrate people who don't suffer from depression or anxiety because you're so in tune with your emotions even if you can't always dig yourself out of the negative it just shows that you're aware of how you're feeling all the time because you kind of have to be because the emotions are so big and sometimes so exhausting um there also is another interpretation that Frank is kind of the audience of the viewing the film and that you know it kind of starts off in like this depressed bleak place of like this you know m- lower middle class family struggling nobody's getting along a lot of arguments in the household a lot of yelling and then as the movie goes on everyone kind of finds their peace and I think some I think that is kind of a cool insight that maybe Frank is us viewing it um even small things like a child beauty pageant gone wrong can give you hope to keep going and you can get on a stage and dance so I think that's a cool interpretation um the last two characters are Olive and the mother um I think Olive the daughter for me symbolizes kind of like hope and like sometimes it is nice to be naive well I don't incur like I, I get really frustrated with those kinds of people who are like oh I can't watch the news because it's too it's too sad And you may argue like, yeah, that is like a form of self-care for you to, you know, if the news is overwhelming you, of course, turn it off. But also you should be gaining insight into what other people are living on the day to day and maybe that our lives, you know, for me, I have a hard time with over sympathy and like things that don't affect me directly really bum me out um and maybe that's why I like this movie so much because it's a fictional story but yet you know the middle towards till the middle of the movie I just sit there and I'm like I am so bummed like this sucks and like nothing crazy it's not like this family is terrorized by war and they're not suffering from on-screen trauma that we're seeing and i just have a hard time with stuff like that so even like you know while a constant in the stream of news is difficult for me i know what i can handle and i also feel like i'd rather have my mental health be affected a little bit and still be aware and then that affects my you know my gratitude like right now i'm living in a safe neighborhood don't have to worry about paying my rent and I don't have to worry about every morning waking up to war and you know there's lots of people in the country right now where that's not the reality so even things like that help me just accept how grateful I should be and accepts allows me to be more have more gratitude and faith and compassion for things that I'm not necessarily experiencing myself and it just makes my problem so much smaller but doesn't allows me also like if I, if I share an experience with a friend and it's a truly sucky situation and they say, I'm sorry, I don't, I no longer say, oh, that's okay. Because you know, sometimes what happens to you just isn't okay. So it's, oh, you know, thank you. Or thanks for listening. And I think these kinds of things really allow me to see that. And, you know, I have a gratitude journal that I do every morning. Um, I've been doing it for about two years now and I it was probably one of the more positive thing, resources I got out of rehab and it can never be the same so for the last two years I have to write down three different things I'm grateful for and I can't repeat so that's I'm not gonna do the math but 365 times two times three of different things I'm grateful for and some days it has been a little bit in vain of like you know what I can't think of anything so I'm thankful for windows or but there's some days where I'll be writing and I'm like oh my god I'm so grateful for this really nice pen and I really mean it and I am because that's such a cool thing that I can have a really nice pen and yeah um I think all of just kind of shows that that like you know she's kind of pre-traumatized and I think sometimes I wish I could go back to before bad things happened to me or before my addiction or you know viewing different traumatic life events or you know words that have been spoken to me but i think that those things have truly made me who i am so i'm grateful to them but it is also nice to see in a movie that has so much kind of like dark Suffering characters at times. It is nice to see like the the symbol of innocence, um, and I think we we are shown that through Olive, who's very confident for her age, and um, does not have the stereotypical body type to be doing a beauty pageant. And um, when her and her family are out to the dinner, her father you know makes the comment about her body, and she's just able to be like uplifted by her other family members and like kind of like I see her as like a person who like takes no shit even though she's like eight years old I'm like goals and she just like is able to like you know if something's not feeding you positively you can just get rid of it so it's like somebody makes a nasty comment about your body okay that doesn't serve me well so I'm gonna do away with that um obviously you're hurting a little bit more than I am and you're trying to bring me down so I think all of The writers and the actress Abigail Breslin at such a young age did such a good job at um really showing those symbols of hope and that there are things worth fighting for um the mom there's not too much to say about the mom which is kind of I mean nice because we're talking about mostly negative mental health in this movie but the mom (laughs) doesn't really she's like a stressed out stay-at-home mom and she's you know i don't even know her name i couldn't even find her name that's how like i feel kind of she was in the back seat but kind of a boss bitch i mean like their their van breaks down and like mom has no problem getting out pushing it to start every time but yeah she's like taking care of her children and making sure her children are okay but i also like that there's a couple scenes that like i think in media moms are all always portrayed as like the superwoman and I think that's one of the things that has made me so afraid to have children of my own because there's this version of like the, su- the successful great mom and then there's the version of like the struggling hot mess mom and I already know which category I'm going to fall into but I think you can have both of those and I think that mom this mom definitely shows that um I mean at one point they leave their daughter at a gas station <laughs> they remember her they go back for her and then She's really stressed when she receives the call about her brother's attempted suicide. Obviously, who wouldn't be? And she's driving to um, go get him. And she's on the phone with her husband. And he's like, Are you smoking? She's like, No, of course I'm not smoking. Throws her like half lit cigarette out the window. Um, so I think it just like shows that, you know, you can, you don't have to have have it all but I mean you can still be a great parent and a great mother even if you are you know KFC is what's for dinner every night you know as long as your children are getting what they need from you and that's gonna look different in every dynamic I mean why can't you be a great parent so um yeah, I think the only thing about the mom is, like, once again, similar to Dwayne, like, there's not a lot of good coping skills in place. I mean, like, if she wants to smoke a cigarette because she's stressed, like, hey, we've all been there, you know, but um, I would have liked to maybe have had the mom, like, more developed and see a little bit more of her because she just seemed like she was kind of always holding down the family, which I think maybe it's just you know a personality trait for that character but i think it would have been cool to have seen that in a different character than just the two women like the two women were kind of like the ones who were providing the family with hope and faith in the future and the moms kind of holding down the fort and all the technical ways that you know moms often do um but yeah i mean i think it's a great a great movie and if you haven't seen it you should um i also have very fond memories of it because a, a good friend of mine used to have a car just like that and it sometimes would break down and we would have to push it just like that so it would always be called little Miss Sunshining it so you know I just have a lot of good good things associated with this movie although like I've mentioned many times it does have a tinge of sadness to it um yeah so that's this episode I'm gonna try and edit this without my husband in town I don't know how successful that will be bear with me. Um I think Yeah, it's my birthday month. Ooh, Ooh. Pisces. Um I'm gonna continue doing like some of my favorite movies. Um so I'm gonna review what those are. That's always one of those questions for me people ask, you know, oh what's your favorite movie? And I list off something crazy that like I don't even like. And I feel like your favorite movie can be such an insight into your personality. So I feel like it's almost to the point I just wanna like get a little like laminated card of like my five favorite movies and put it in my wallet so I'm never put in that situation again because I feel like a fool um I think maybe little miss oh no no no. I'm so sorry that's this episode I think Shutter Island even though I'm a little overwhelmed by it because that has a lot going on um but that probably is my most favorite movie so I will start doing some research, <laughs> which will be a lot. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening. I appreciate it. I know this is kind of um, not your typical formatted podcast. There's not really a lot of pizzazz and jazz to it. Um, but yeah, I think anyone who listens and I appreciate being able to have a place to be transparent about mental health and kind of advocate for the importance of it and um, recontextualize you know what we see in film sometimes. So thank you. Have a great week.